who is a person or persons in your life that have so influenced you and impacted you that you say, that's the kind of person you would like to be? Who is someone or who are some people that have so impacted and influenced your life that you say, wow, I want to be like them. There are people in my life even today. Recently I said to an older lady, late 80s, when I grow up, I want to be like you. And I'm sincere. Now, whoever that person or people are in your life who you say, wow. It may be because of their accomplishments, their success. It may be because of their intelligence or their financial wealth. It may be. But probably... Those who have impacted you the greatest in a most positive way, it's probably because of their sincere care and concern. You see in them for you or for others. That's probably what makes them, it's their care that's genuine and real. Their concern, where you feel and believe that they are willing to sacrifice for your benefit. They're willing to do without so that you could have what they feel you need. Here in the GPC family each week, we're coming to this great letter. It's a short letter called 1 Peter. When you come to the Bible, always study its context, its setting. Why is this letter being written? What is its context? What are before it? What's after it? And what is consistent with Scripture? It's very important to understand the setting of this short letter. Peter is its author. The Holy Spirit has chosen Peter to write this letter. He's writing to people who are suffering because of their identity to Jesus Christ. He calls them the the scattered, the dispersed. It is costly to know Christ, to love him, to obey him. Not costly in money as much as very lives. These people are professing Jesus Christ is God and we want to love him and obey him. And they're going through crisis. They're going through extreme difficulties and hard times. They've left their homes. They've left their businesses. They are scattered foreigner exiles in a strange place. And five different locations are listed here. They're the dispersed. And Paul, Peter's writing them a letter. 
And in this letter, his intent is this, to give help for today and hope for tomorrow. Help for today as you're going through crisis. And hope for tomorrow, and I say with honesty, because it may be worse tomorrow than it is today. But you can have joy. That's what he says right here in the first chapter. Because of your identity to Christ. He uses the words election. Because you've been elected into his family. Because God has chosen you to believe on Christ. Even in this suffering, you are rejoicing with joy. That's the reason we have this letter. That regardless of the crisis and the difficulties and the hard times, you, like these, through Jesus Christ, can have rejoicing with joy. How are we to live when your life is falling apart and you're going through such hard times? How do you respond to people? Look at what he says here. Experiencing and sharing true truth. That Phrase, true truth, comes from the late Dr. Francis Schaeffer in his writings. We come to the Bible. It is true truth for us to understand, to believe, to embrace. Look at this verse 22 to have, and following, to have help for today and hope for tomorrow. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly with a pure heart. That's the word. To have rejoicing with joy, even when you're going through crisis, difficulty and hard times, you look for the opportunity to love others with a pure heart. Love one another earnestly. Now, folks, we must understand this word love. He is not speaking merely of an emotion. It's not only an emotion. In a marriage, the man says, I don't love her anymore. Or the wife to her husband, I don't love him anymore. Love is far more than an emotion. It's action. It's an attitude of commitment, and that's the word here. It's an active care and concern for others. You prefer their well-being more than your own. And I'm not there. I'm selfish. I live for comfort. I live for pleasure. And I'm asking our Lord, Lord, please, 
This kind of active, aggressive care and concern for others as more important than myself. That's the word there. Care and concern with a pure heart. One another earnestly. Now, folk, that word earnestly. Care, concern for others earnestly. Earnestly. That's a powerful word. That word earnestly means this. Stretched and strained to the limit. With all that you are, you're stretched, you're pulled, you're strained to the very limit of your existence. That's the word there. Now listen, family. It's the word used to describe Jesus Christ just before he was arrested by those soldiers. The Bible tells us that Jesus was in the garden, Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying, Father, is there any other way to bring you worship? To satisfy your demands for justice? Is there any other way other than the cross? Do I really have to go to the cross? That's what he's asking. Father, not my will, not my will, but yours be done. The Bible says Jesus was praying with such earnestness and anguish that he began perspiring and sweating as if it were drops of blood. That's the same word to describe Jesus praying. It's such anguish. That's the word that is used to describe how we are to care for one another. That's foreign to me. But that's what Jesus says. It's what the Bible teaches. Care with such concern for others with such earnestness. That will please our Lord. That will, that will win people's attention. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. He continues, verse 24. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So what are we to do? Such care and concern for others that we're experiencing anguish. We're so preferring others about ourselves. Why? Why? Because you've experienced the second birth. Now, family, this is for those who have experienced the second birth. I'm not saying you have. But if you have been born a second time, the first time is when your mother physically birthed you. But there is a second birth, and it's a spiritual birth. 
It's when the Holy Spirit breathes life into you. And when he breathes life into you, you respond by saying, I'm a sinner. I'm separated from a holy God. I deserve his wrath. You deserve his punishment. You deserve his judgment. And you realize the only way to become a son and a daughter of the Father is by believing on Christ, trusting in Christ to make you accepted. To make you accepted. You cannot make yourself accepted. This is the second time in the first chapter he, spake, he has spoken of being born a second time. This is important. As I shared earlier, John chapter 3, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, the religious leader of Israel, among the elect. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Am I to enter my mother? No, 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 no. Not the physical birth, but the spiritual birth. So what is he saying here? What's he saying? Family, an aggressive anguish, care for one another as more important than ourself. Why? You've been born into God's family if you have. You're no longer your own. You've been bought with a price. Right here in these verses preceding. You've been bought. You've been purchased into God's family. We're all in one family. Family, listen, listen. We're all in one family. You're either in Satan's family, the devil's family. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil, or... You're in the Father's family through Christ. Through the Holy Spirit. How do we enter? How does Jesus purchase you? It's not with silver. It's not with gold. It's not with dollars. It's by His blood. That's the currency that demands entering into the Father's family. The currency is his blood. You've been bought. You're no longer your own. Family, if you're in his family, you are not your own. You're not your own. Having lived as a slave to sin, now you're to live as a slave of righteousness. How are you doing? How are you doing? And then he says this. What are we to do? A sincere anguish and caring and concern for others is more important than ourselves. Why? You're no longer your own. You've been bought. You've been birthed into the Father's family. 
How does he do this? How does he birth us? How are we to live? He births us that we might live by his living and abiding word. Look at the scriptures. Look at the scriptures. See these verses again. The word of God is living. It is abiding. It is healthy. It accomplishes all that God has intended to accomplish. I like, the, I like the way he describes this. He says it's like a seed. The Bible is like a seed. A tiny seed, when given proper care, begins to germinate. Why? It's alive. A seed is alive if it's healthy. And it can produce, when it germinates, giving the right condition, that seed can produce a beautiful flower. Why? It's alive. It can produce a beautiful bush. It can produce a gigantic, massive oak tree. A tiny seed, because it is alive. But, family, he says here, it is perishable. Eventually, a tiny seed that, alive, that is alive dies and eventually decays over time. But not the word of God. Look at the words he uses. It's living in verse 23. It's living. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of what? Imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The Bible, God's word is alive. It abides. It never dies. Depend on the scripture. To accomplish all that Christ attends. The family, where are you going and what are you doing to tell you what is right and what is wrong? There are absolutes. Just this week, and we sent it out to you hoping you would read it. From Impact 360. Impact 360 is a wonderful Christian organization, ministry to young folk to give college age students and high school age students truth on what the Bible says and teaches. According to Impact 360, the Barna Institute did a survey. of Generation Z on what they believed about abortion. Is abortion a moral issue? From the Barna research, 29% say yes. Abortion is a moral issue. 
That means 71% of Generation X say no. That's not a moral issue. The mother has a right to do what she wants. Family, that's frightening. That's frightening. Where are you basing your beliefs? Is it on your friends? Is it culture? Is it the internet? Is it the movies? Where are you basing the way to live life? To make your decisions. What is your basis of authority? You have an authority. I do. God has given us the ultimate authority that when believed and experienced, you can have true joy and gladness. And it may not be popular. It may not be popular. God's word is alive. And it abides forever. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy tells us of this wonderful, 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 wonderful book. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17. This is what you can believe. All scripture is breathed out by God. Believe this family. This book is breathed out by God through the Holy Spirit. It's profitable. It's to your benefit, number one, to teach us. This is truth. To teach us. Teach us. This is truth. This is right. This is wrong. Secondly, to reprove us. To reprove us by saying, say, this is wrong. Now stop it. It's wrong. Reprove us. We need it. But it doesn't leave us there. Then it corrects us. It corrects us. It tells us not only are we wrong, but this is right. It corrects us. And then lastly, it trains us in righteousness. It trains us in right thinking and right speaking and right behavior so that we are men and women and boys and girls who are mature, complete, equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good work that God intends to do in you and through you. Some of you have heard me share this. It's my, perhaps my favorite, favorite story of God's word preached and read and taught and believed. Dr. John MacArthur, pastor from the West Coast, goes to Ligonier, Ligonier Study Center to preach and teach. Just a wonderful Baptist minister. Loves the Reformed faith. Large church. A gentleman came to Dr. MacArthur's church having 
worshiped there for several weeks. Came to the secretary and said, I want to see Dr. MacArthur. Well, well sir, you, you need to make an appointment. No, I want to see him now. So they adjusted Dr. MacArthur's schedule and allowed the man to go in. Something of this nature. Dr. MacArthur, you don't know me. But I've been worshiping here. I've been hearing what you have to say. And I need to talk. I'm a physician. I'm a medical doctor. And I do abortions. And I make a lot of money. And I've left my wife. And I'm living with a woman. And I'm a Jew. Can you help me? Making a lot of money with abortions. Living in adultery. A Jew. Can you help me? And with all honesty and love, Dr. MacArthur said, No. But I know who can. Jesus Christ. Did you not hear me? I'm a Jew. Jesus Christ. Here, take this and read it. And it was the gospel of John. You read this. You approach it with an honest heart. I'm paraphrasing. He tells this in one of his works, Dr. MacArthur. You take this, you read it, and then come back and let's talk. And Dr. MacArthur shares with other preacher friends of what he did, how he responded, and his friends would say, what? That's all you did? You just gave him the Bible? Yeah. You didn't give him any tapes or... That's all he gave me. He left. After an extended time, he properly made an appointment through the secretary to come back. Came right in. Sat down. <sighs> now I'm understanding, he told Dr. MacArthur. And when I get better, I'm going to become a Christian. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you don't, you don't get better. And Dr. MacArthur started asking him questions of what it would mean if he began trusting and worshiping Jesus Christ as his God. And the gentleman was a, gave amazing, true answers. He began giving answers to Dr. MacArthur's questions that Dr. MacArthur knows his Bible and knows that he did not get that from the Gospel of John. Remember, he's a Jew. He's a wealthy physician who's made his wealth on abortions. He's living in adultery with a woman that's not his own. Begin giving great answers. And Dr. MacArthur asked him, where did you get that? He said, oh, in the book of Romans. When I finished John, I got into Romans. What will it mean if you trust Christ? How will it affect your life, your income, your future? Oh, 
I've already written my letter of resignation to my abortion business. I left my woman and have returned to my wife. God's word is alive. It abides. It's powerful. And that's the reason you and I need the scriptures. To read it, to study it, to learn it together like this, but also in smaller groups, in Bible studies, in small groups. To have joy. To rejoice with rejoicing. What are we to do? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says this. To have true joy. Care, concern for others earnestly. With anguish. Stretched and strained to your very limit. I remind you, I'm not there. Why? Experiencing the second birth, the spiritual birth, having the scriptures as your authority. Now, family, I'm asking you, how are you doing? How are you? Will you pursue this kind of relationship with Christ and with others? Will you pursue so that, will you ask Him to so work in you as I'm asking Him to work in me that we will so in anguish care for others more than ourselves? That's what He's saying. Secondly, are you born again? Have you, are you experiencing this second birth, this spiritual birth? If not, ask him. Ask him to birth you into his family. Ask him to breathe life into you. Ask him to enable you to turn from your sin and believe on Christ. Ask him today is the day for the new birth. Become a son, become a daughter today. And then lastly, what is your authority? Make the Bible the living and abiding authority for all your beliefs, your speech, and your behavior. Through Jesus Christ. If I can be of assistance, we have men who will talk with you men and guys. We have ladies who will talk with you ladies and girls. That you may know joy beyond joy in the hard, difficult crisis. Help for today and hope for tomorrow. So that people of all ages will say of you, as they watch you, as they listen, they want to be like you. When, you grow, when they grow up, 
that you so live before others, your kindness, your aggressive care, that they want to be like you when they grow up. Father, thank you for Christ. He never, ever sinned. And yet he willingly became sin so that all of those you've given to him become his righteousness. Father, any who are here that are not yet in your family, will you birth them today? Having the Bible is our authority for all of life. And Father, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes for us to so care, active concern for others as more important than ourselves. Through your Son, amen.